So today we're going to do something a little bit different, and I'd like to call this a retro sync. That's where Kyle and I experience something brand new that harkens back memories and nostalgia from something else. So in this case, we're talking about a brand new movie that calls back a period of time that we know as the video nasties. This show contains badass material and foul language. Some people may find offensive. What else did you expect? Nostalgia really whips the llama's ass. Join Jackie and Danielle, two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees who are re-watching some of their favorite movies from the late 90s and early 2000s on the No More Late Fees podcast. And remember, be kind and rewind. Stoner Chicks. We're four friends who met through comedy and bonded through weed. I'm Grace Penzel. I'm Kayla Teal. I'm Stephanie Thompson. I'm Phoebe Richards. If you love smoking weed and laughing with your friends, this podcast is for you. Weekly episodes will drop on Fridays starting April 2nd. So subscribe now to Stoner Chicks wherever you get your podcasts. Coming to your favorite podcatcher soon. (laughs) Hold on one sec. Uh oh. Mm. Open up a can of whoop ass on you, boy. <laughs> what are you drinking? I am drinking Flying Monkeys, the milkshake IPA. It is a combination of orange peel, grapefruit, soft coconut white tea. Mm. It is absolutely lovely. Mm. I introduced you to this actually last year. Oh, yes, I know. Yeah. It's an easy drinking IPA. You get your percentage, but you also get a little bit of crisp, refreshing respite from 40 plus degree weather with a humidex of bag stuck to leg. <laughs> bag stuck to leg. I know all about that. Kyle, what do you have? I uh, got a little Breton. I think I've actually had this on the show before. Mm-hmm. Breton Island time. It's mm-hmm. too hot today, basically, is the moral of this story. There's no Guinness being sucked back here today. No, I just need something like bright and light and... Thirst quenching. Mm. Mm. Now, I don't normally get into this, but I did receive my second vaccination today. Hey. So I am fully vaccinated. Give me two weeks. And uh, we're just getting closer to, I don't want to use the word normal because I'm very tired of that. But, (laughs) I and I said it to many people, I got the shot not to avoid the virus, but to hang out with my friends again. I know. That's literally my motivation. And to go to movies and to go to concerts again. I want shit to open up again. (laughs) And honestly, I'm I'm going to be ignorant. If you didn't get your shot, I'm so sorry. But I want to go enjoy this shit. So bring your your pass. Let us in. Yeah, don't be sorry. Like, (laughs) enough. You've had time. Enough's enough. In the early 80s, movies were prosecuted and charged under the Obscene Obscenities Act of the British Classification Board. These films were dubbed Video Nasties. These are their stories. Welcome back to the Nostalgia Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Smith. With me, as always, is Matt McGraw. How's it going? (laughs) That was very Canadian. (laughs) So, yeah, I wanted to start off the episode with something, I guess, a little different. It's not quite different, but it's a little different because I saw a movie over the last week um, that I just loved and I wanted to talk a little bit about it. But the subject of the movie also uh, leads into the discussion we're going to have today, uh, which is on the infamous, shocking, legendary list of movies, late 70s, early 80s, I guess, uh, that came out of Britain 
called the Video Nasties. Ooh. And like, do you remember when you were just like a little kid and there was always those movies that you just you weren't allowed to watch? For, it made you want to watch them even more, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? The Video Nasties list to me was like that. It was like the holy grail of underground movies to me as like a kid around uh-huh. that time. Uh-huh. Even though I didn't know why, even though I wasn't fully educated on the subject, do you know what I mean? So the movie I watched last week uh, is a British horror film, 2021. It is brand spanking new. It just came out. Uh, it's called Censor. Uh, it's directed by Prano Bailey Bond, starring... Her name is actually pronounced Neve Algar. Uh, as a woman named Enid, and she works for the British Film Classification Board in the early 1980s. Is this a coincidence? I think no. not. So yeah, so after I watched this movie, I was like, I think we should do a discussion on the video nasties because what's awesome about... Uh, so we're just going to go through the film a little bit, but the movie's basically set... The main character, she's a, a film censor. She works for the British Film Classification Board uh, in London, let's say. I guess it would be London. Um, but what's interesting about The Office is like it's like six people. That's one thing I found like super interesting, and I wonder if that's how it works with the MPAA, or especially around here, the um, Maritime or Atlantic Film Classification Board. You know, it's probably like, and like you said, like the Tipper Gore um, PMRC. Yeah, it's like a small group of people, and it actually ties into stuff that goes on today. It's like the loudest voices get noticed. Or get the changes done, so yeah, it's like I don't want to use the word "heard" because "heard" sounds like we're listening. Yeah, but they get the most attention. <laughs> yeah, right? so like the small group of people are deciding the the fate. What happened in the early 1980s was mm-hmm. a like let's say what's it like a watchdog group. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called uh, the National Viewers and Listeners Association, a pressure group, uh, which campaigned against the publication and broadcast of media content that it viewed as harmful and defensive, like violence, hate speech, whatever. Uh, and it was spearheaded by this woman named Mary Whitehouse, mm-hmm. who was kind of, um, she was just, she was a teacher and a conservative, oh, actually, we shouldn't, wow. we shouldn't, we shouldn't get too political here, but Surprise. it's not surprising she's a conservative activist. Yes. Um, so she headed up this campaign in the early 1980s to basically prosecute and ban mm-hmm. uh, movies that they deemed too offensive for public consumption under the... I guess guys or uh, their their thought was that this kind of content could harm the public, like it would teach moral decay or breed moral decay. Right, and they were uh, more concerned about what was going on in other people's homes. Yeah, not in their own homes. Yeah, right. Yeah, in particular, the working class, assuming that they were uneducated and wouldn't know what to do if they were influenced by this type of content. Or just yeah, like. I mean, just, there's so many implications on the public that are actually more offensive than the content they're trying to ban. Exactly. So in Censor, British Film Classification Board, at this very time that this woman and her uh, watchdog group or whatever and they, they have coined the video nasties and they're coming down hard on the British Film Classification Board to like, you know, pressure them to ban these things, to prosecute these films. And the main character, Enid, she has a childhood trauma. Her sister is missing under mysterious circumstances, and she can't remember how her sister disappeared, although she has these weird like memory flashbacks. Almost try, hallucinations. Yeah, that try to piece together what might have happened when they were the two of them were little kids. So she's been right. living with this forever, and she's very conservative. She's working at the as a film censor. And while she's watching, she also yeah, so all she does all day is watch horror movies. Mm-hmm. And sounds like a dream job. 
I know it's kind of awesome to watch. Like, the, there's two of them in a room at a time. Like, they get to sign different movies to watch, and it's cool that they have their own little screening room. And they're very studious. So, of course, Enid's very serious about her job. Uh, she got her glasses. She's on. She's very librarian esque. Yeah, very, very kind of like you know, meter yardstick up the butt Ooh. kind of you know, school marmish. Uh, and one of the, the uh, all of a sudden she gets assigned this movie, and it's called "Don't Go in the Church." What are we watching? Don't, Don't go, go in, in the, the woods. woods. Yeah. Alone. The images and the story of the movie that starts to play out in, to her mirror the disappearance of her sister. So she starts to go on this quest to find out who made the movie. It's just like to her, it's too eerily similar. Now what makes this movie awesome to me is we, she's, she's like a, the epitome of like an unreliable narrator. Yes. Cause like, she's so out of it and she's so like scarred by this traumatic event that we, well, I don't want to give away too much of what happens, but it's right. like, I think she's convincing herself that maybe what she's seeing is more what happened to her. We don't know whether or not it's really true. So she goes on this really like dark underground quest. It's like almost like an eight, remember that movie, Eight Millimeter with Nicolas Cage? So that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking when I watched it, was that this this movie channels a lot of that taboo investigative kind of pursuit yeah for something that is really really damaging or potentially damaging and it involves a, an underground like legendary underground film director that makes like these banned kind of unseen movies that she's yep. trying to track down because she's convinced the actress in his movies is actually her missing sister that's presumed dead the very start of the movie uh, her parents bring her to the table and they sit her down and they basically present her with a death certificate. It's been 30 years since her sister has been missing and now is has always, I guess, been presumed dead. So her, but her sister's been holding, Enid's been holding on hope, holding on to hope that her sister's alive, that one day they'll find her, of course. Uh, her parents present her with this death certificate saying we're just going to legally consider her dead. And to me, it's almost like, um, you know, you look at films like Fight Club, uh, a force or a, a defining moment, uh, like a catalyst to where things start to go over the edge, uh, which is something I just always find interesting. Like what tips the person just kind of leaning on the edge, what tips them over it uh, to a point of no return, I guess, is what happens to Enid, I think. And I think it happens after that death certificate's presented to her. Yeah, censor. I mean, I just found it really cool and how it deals or like not only with the story of what Enid's going through because it takes place in that very specific time that the video nasties list was being generated and being yeah. prosecuted and stuff. Uh, it almost gives you a little mini history. It's like a mini mm-hmm. somebody kills somebody and they compare it to a movie that the British film censors passed. And so it actually it's um, remember it was um, a movie I talked about the Canadian deranged. Yes. Uh, so they, yeah. they they passed Deranged and someone killed somebody and but then it comes out later the killer never even heard of the movie Deranged no you know so it wasn't even their fault right that's part of these implications is that they assume that these murderous individuals motivated through the release of these kind of films yeah or video games or music later on mm-hmm. um, yeah that's 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 what's so bizarre. Is that you're you're forcing a censorship on content that actually has no bearing on the other implications that you're also implying. All fairness, if you're already a stupid criminal, you're going to commit stupid crimes. Exactly. Yeah, it has nothing to do with with the content. 
on the there was like three different lists, which we'll go into a bit later. But because like some, some movies were being banned, video dealers could be personally prosecuted for like holding on to these movies. So when Enid starts her quest on this underground filmmaker, mm-hmm. basically these movies that they haven't been passed for release, they've never really been released, only like on the underground circuit. Mm-hmm. And so I found it interesting. There's one scene where she goes into this video store and like some looks some, some sketchy London neighborhood, and, mm-hmm. and she like asks him for. I forget the, the director's name that's in the movie now, but like the underground director. And he's oh. like, basically has his name, his, the video's like in a bag in the back, you know. He's like a drug dealer um, for movies. The director that made the movie Don't Go in the Church that uh, reminds her of her sister as by Frederick North is his yes. name. Yeah. What a great underground name. It is great. Yeah. I've never really seen a movie that dealt with the video nasty era. You well, know? I, I think about. The way this movie was set up, it started out very similar to Cannibal Holocaust, trying to classify a film in front of people, and that's the setup. Mm-hmm. Now, Cannibal Holocaust goes into watching the film that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. In this movie, this is someone who's dealing with some very, very severe mental health issues, mm. but is also being affected. Yeah, exactly. I think what happened with Enid is, um, you know, I, it's like a, uh, it, it's a, a kettle a boiling kettle finally boiling over. Like, so yeah. she's so conservative and uptight and she's been repressing, you know, serenity nowing, <laughs> yep. you know, her, her trauma of losing her sister for so long and, and losing herself and her job in a way that, um, it kind of just forced everything started. It's to, a tipping point. Yeah. It comes out of her, you know, it's yeah. like, it's just yeah. inevitable, I guess. And maybe that is also a criticism on mental health support during that time period. Her reality slips into, um, she thinks she's just, a part of the movie. Like she almost thinks like she's in a movie world. Yes. And that's only where her herself can exist, I guess. Well, like, that and and that's and that's another really interesting thing is that I think this movie not only is it really cool in its criticism of censoring art, but also it pulls from some really great movies. Mm-hmm. Like the influences of obviously Videodrome yeah. in this. Mm-hmm. Where reality and fiction have a very gray area in between. Mm, for sure. Uh, what, what was it Dr. Oblivion says? Oh, yeah. Television is reality, and reality is less than television. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, this movie lives up to that quote mm-hmm. from Dr. Oblivion, who, in the context of Videodrome, is dead and is living through documented footage of him yep. to keep him alive, which preserves a false memory, yeah. which is very similar yeah. to the false memory and false reality that exists for Enid in this movie. It's very true. I like that. Holy shit. Never thought about that. Yeah, that's true. So anyways, that's censor. What'd you, so what, that thumbs up? Oh, oh, oh wait, we don't want to get sued. Nostalgia Junk approved? <laughs> <laughs> Nostalgia Junk podcast says, check, check it, it out. out. Actually, yeah, yeah. If I was to assign a rating. Yes. Um, I would say out of five. No, yeah, let's do out of five. I'd give it four out of five. Yeah, definitely. I think what really caught me off guard by it was that it was fresh. That it felt like a like a new movie, something I haven't seen. Yeah, that's what I mean. In the hallucinated, dreamlike scenes that mimic "Don't Go in the Church," that felt a lot like a stage play. Mm-hmm. Obvious false mood lighting, mm-hmm. but it's supposed to look unnatural mm-hmm. because we're working our way to a payoff. Yeah, and the movie has this unnatural vibe. It does. Yeah, you know, 
couple things I really noticed in this was the cinematography and aesthetic had a soft lens haze reminiscent of 70 and 80s giallo vibe Mm -hmm. throughout the entirety of the movie. Like not just dream scenes, but the movie itself felt like it was filmed in the period that it was mimicking. Yeah, like remember when she was uh, she was walking in that like tunnel. Yes, um, and which is kind of a weird scene. She she yells at somebody. She thinks she's somebody else. Yep. But it's yeah, that's a very giallo esque kind of weird vibe scene. Yeah, the fake film that they created feels like a film that was on an original video nasty list. It had the the lighting, the fogginess, the cabin, like really really grungy, low budget. Evil Dead. Yeah. There's something to be said about um, this kind of new wave of horror that Kyle and I have praised several times on the show, but obviously we haven't gotten into because, you know, we try to talk about nostalgia. Mm -hmm. But I am definitely finding myself very nostalgic for these type of movies. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about video nasties, censorship from a certain time period, and a movie that comes out trying to embody that, you can't help but feel nostalgic for the movies that they're actually censoring. Mm. So then, what do you do? You go to the internet and you go and find the list. Well, is that exactly what I did? That's exactly why I was like, man, we should maybe we should talk about the video nasties. Was there ever a movie that you truly felt was a dangerous movie? I mean, I think, think it's Cannibal Holocaust. I think we've even talked about it before. It is the ultimate. Like when you were a little kid, it's like the movie that you had to seek out and you knew you shouldn't be watching it. It right. was like so just out of your kind of your age group and like you should it was like underground kind of thing and to me it's it's, that's cannibal holocaust man for sure that is probably the epitome of a nasty movie Mm -hmm. so the video nasty list obviously that you know mary whitehouse she didn't even watch this stuff yeah she just put it on there because she didn't like the cover now some of the backstory on the reason the covers were so punchy and bright and full of violence was because they were trying to compete with the North American audience, which was already going through a slasher craze in the early 80s. And so to compete with the North American draws and the North American sensibilities was that they actually started putting more gritty graphic covers on them mm-hmm. to draw people in because you and I both know the cover is usually, especially for these unknown movies, are much better than the movie itself, but it helps sell it. Yeah, it helps what's, put it in your hand. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, what makes you take the box off the shelf and make you read the box? You right. Know, a cover. So to them, they viewed that box, that movie, as you picking up a gun off a shelf. Yeah. A syringe. You know, something dangerous, something poisonous. The kids. Will someone think of the kids? Right. So that's that's kind of where we're going on this episode. Now, that does not sound that cheery, but we'll we'll keep it fun nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Something else I wanted to bring up, Kyle, was that Censor uh, um, has lots of references in it, like I said. Uh, Videodrome, especially. There's elements of body horror, which is definitely important to us as Canadians. We have a big stamp on the body horror scene through Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. But also in more, in more recent uh, references, Black Mirror. The concept of Black Mirror, the series, is it's a Black Mirror on society. Mm -hmm. And it's our dependency on technology. It's our influence through technology. It's the what will happen if this continues this way. How does it impact us as viewers, consumers, etc.? And I think that that is so critical, especially as of late, where a lot of us have been sitting and reflecting over the last year and a half through quarantine life. The concept of influence 
you know, through social media. Mm-hmm. And really, that's the job of a censor. Mm-hmm. You put the label on something. Now you're listening to something, watching something that you're not supposed to be listening to. Pretty wild how things don't really, things change, but things don't really change. Like here we are, like people telling you what you should watch, what you shouldn't watch, or what's morally good, what's morally bad. Like other people deciding or like thinking that they can decide for you. Like, what, sure. I don't know, it's just crazy to it me. It could be a politician, it could be yeah. a YouTuber with a conspiracy theory and a tinfoil hat, mm-hmm. or it could be your parents. Or it could be just some regular person offended by something that a comedian says, and now all of a sudden the comedian's canceled, you know? Uh, <laughs> can I cancel cancel culture? Yes, please. please. <laughs> so a movie like Censor really kind of encapsulates the, the juxtaposition between what's good for the people mm-hmm. and what goes into classifying art. Mm-hmm. Is taking control of art at the hands of uh, a film board, or is it at the at the parental upbringing? I know. Maybe it's because you and I, when we when we were plunked in front of a TV for hours, we knew that our friends still wanted to play outside. Now, not really the case. You don't need to. Yeah. Yeah, you can hang outside, but you can still <clears throat> be on your phone. It's like we used to remember we used to go to like the arcades. Because, oh, but you still had to go outside and venture out as a group, like as an adventure to go to the arcade. But now, yeah, our, my buddy, his son, just like loves, is always on Minecraft in his yeah. living room. He's playing with his friends, but mm. he's talking over an intercom. But it's and, not really with. Anybody. I know, and that's the <laughs> difference. You know, like you and I meet once a week. This is the most physically important friendship that I have. <laughs> is you and I meet once a week, and it's not because we have to; it's because we want to. Yeah. But we get to talk about really cool things, and we hit record on it, and hopefully, other people want to hear about it too. So, for a movie like Censor, they made lists of for people not to watch. Now it's like a hot commodity. Like, oh, you have a copy of Don't Go in the Woods Alone? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this oh, this one actually says alone on the cover? No way. Remember there was that one scene where she, um, they were going over whether a film should be passed for certification or whatever, and it's like, and she, they were going over the checklist of, it's like, gave, in that other film we passed, like, gave you the eyeball gouging, but like, destruction of the penis was a little too much for me, or I was like, man, I want to see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds really intense. <laughs> yeah. Jerry and Larry experienced the same thing with NBC back in the day. Seinfeld, the greatest sitcom ever. Oh, yeah. They might have said breast, penis. They might have said things that wouldn't normally be on network television mid-90s, but they were able to raise the bar for other shows. Not to say that every show needed to say breast and penis, but they would have conversations like that mm-hmm. with NBC saying, okay, you know what? I'll give you two breasts for one penis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like some sort of like weird, let's make a deal. I wonder if they still do that kind of censor or like. I'm sure they do. For like ratings purposes. Yeah. Right. Like a certain amount of swear words, certain amount of like bloodletting and kind of, you know, yeah. extreme violence or whatever, you know. Yeah. Well, they can cut all they want. But at the end of the day, groups of people like you and I will go out of our way to try and track down this footage. Oh, but, oh. <laughs> try to do it in between words. You know what? The show needs a censor. <laughs> no, it doesn't. This is, this is so sexual. The list. So following a campaign led by Mary Whitehouse, prosecuting the people that were dealing the movies, and to assist local authorities in identifying the films, the director of public prosecutions released a list 
I don't know how they compiled this initially, of 72 films the office believed to violate the Obscene Publications Mm. Act of 1959, which is like 20 years before that even. There's three sections that they came up with. Section one, Mm -hmm. which ultimately were the ones that were prosecuted actually like banned. Mm -hmm. The official video nasties list. Section two Mm -hmm. were movies that were on the video, like the, the video nasties list that the authorities, like police could like, personally prosecute video dealers, video store mm. dealers in if they were carrying these movies. I see. Um, and releasing, you know, renting these movies to the public. Uh, and then section three were movies that were considered obscene, but not like, I guess, extreme enough for the video, the official video nasties. And yes. um, while the dealers couldn't be prosecuted, they would have to just hand over the copies of the movies they had. And it was like, it was like almost like a little tiny admission of guilt that the movie was obscene. Yeah. Um, and then it would just be taken off the shelves or whatever. So what's interesting about Don't Go in the Woods is that it is one of the official video nasties. The prosecuted. Sec- section one prosecuted movie. Uh, and it's not extreme at all. No, it's not. No. But uh, if nothing else, it's offensive as a horror fan <laughs> because the gore is horrendous and it is bright magenta. Just that like, yeah, classic corn syrup, bright red. Tom Savini perfected the recipe. Yes, exactly. He said that if it's too red, you need more green. <laughs> That's funny. He looks like a 1990s WWF wrestler. You know, he, he reminds me of is like a mix of Papa Shango. <laughs> Papa Shango. The Berserker and Skinner. Quick people, Google Berserker, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Papa Shango and Skinner from WWF. The appearance of being bad is actually a marketing tool uh-huh. in a way. So when everything started to go down for, mm-hmm. for these films, uh, especially, so uh, specifically for the movie uh, The Driller Killer, yeah, oh. which we might talk about in a bit. Yes. But they took out full page ads yes. depicting the explicit cover like, and the violence saying like, you know what I mean? This is a video nasty, like, come see yep. our movie. Yeah. Um, and apparently uh, the makers, or not the makers, but uh, Go Video, the distributors of the already controversial Cannibal Holocaust, in yes. an effort to boost publicity and generate sales, wrote anonymously to Mary Whitehouse mm. of the National Viewers and Listeners Association complaining about their own film. <laughs> to probably, like, get it on the list. Oh, my God. That's genius. <laughs> that is genius. That's brilliant. Good for them. I know, exactly. I know, how that's brave. That's brazen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, there's a movie out there. It is just <laughs> utter filth. <laughs> like, you need to take a shower after you watch it. I mean, hey. I'm just so surprised Maniac didn't make the list. Yeah, that, so... That, movie, that movie's pretty brutal emotionally. Uh, there is a category, Films Banned by the British Board of Film Classification, but not classed as a video nasty. For some reason, Maniac was banned in 1981. Yeah, um, took them a whole year to do that. It was banned. For, I don't know why that doesn't make it on the list. But you know, some other movies that were banned that aren't on the official list: mm. Mother's Day, <laughs> <laughs> banned for cinema in 1980. Banned. And this one I kind of agree with. The movie doesn't really stand the test of time. Although there's some nasty. The intro is very nasty. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, denied. A British uh, film classification certificate. In the era that we're in, knowing what we know and having access to the information that we have, I see this list and I really want to go back through and watch these movies now. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Like, did you even watch this movie to put it on the list? I want to go watch it. Yeah, that's true. Let's start with section three. 
Started from the bottom, now we're here. So a supplementary list was issued along with the official list, so-called Section 3 Video Nasties. Titles on this list could not be prosecuted for obscenity, but were liable to seizure and confiscation under a less obscene charge. Tapes seized under Section 3 could be destroyed after distributors or merchants forfeited them. So they could be like coming in like the, the Billy Clubs, hey, hey, please hand over all your copies of Christmas Evil. Is on that list. Section three? Yeah. <laughs> South Brook Water, Dawn of the Dead. Ugh. It's like, unbelievable. Yeah. I'd be like, no, I'm not giving you my copy of Dawn of the Dead. This movie's amazing. Yeah. Um, Friday the 13th, part one and part two. Great follow up. <laughs> That's insane to me. Happy birthday to me. I love that one. Section three, video nasty. The Hills Have Eyes, a freaking classic. Yeah. Um, not really. It's pretty disturbing, but I don't know why that'd be on this list. Martin, George Romero's Martin, mm. Night of the Living Dead, the original, <laughs> the original, not Night the, of the remake Dead. in nineteen ninety. Passed with cuts for cinema. Well, released uncut in nineteen eighty seven. They came to their senses, and it's like you know, not a yeah, <laughs> you know, prom night. Oh, this is the best one. Uh, we talked a little bit about this before we started rolling. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Ooh, yes. refused a cinema certificate in Britain in 1975, only passed in 1999. I know. <laughs> That's a long time to assume people of Britain have not seen <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But this is the thing. is Could you imagine being a horror fan and living in a world where a movie is deemed dangerous and is cut mm-hmm. in your world? Like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a a iconic canonical entry. I know in horror cinema. I feel bad for them. Like it's been 1999, so I was nine. Like I must have seen the Texas Chainsaw at least like 15 or 16 years old. You would feel bad for them if they didn't seek other means to get it. Yeah, that's true. They probably yeah. So this is this is my point that that it's a very naive thought process to think that people aren't going to go out and try and seek this. But that further supports my Goonies mentality of like, you know, you and your buddies are all like, oh, I got a copy of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the original uncut American edition, Mm -hmm. if you were, you know, in the UK. It's just so bizarre to me Mm -hmm. that they just assume that people wouldn't have already seen it at that point. Like, oh, great. It's uncut in 99. That's all right. I've already seen it. I own it. There would have been a circle like a trading circle, a bootlegging circle of people who used to pass and trade tapes and copies. Like they might get a 10th generation rip Mm -hmm. or VHS copy of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Mm -hmm. but they don't care about the fact that it's, you know, a grainy over, over copied edition. Almost add to the effect. It further supports people are out there and they still want to see it because there's been such hype about it. And they're going to see it anyways. Evil Dead was on one of these lists. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until 2003 that it showed up uncut in its original format in the UK. That's insane. That's a long time for a movie that pretty well everyone who's a horror fan has ever seen. (laughs) Like no, no pedestrian horror fan or like even just a film goer. Picks up a copy of Evil Dead 1 and says, yeah, I'll take a gamble on this. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you, that's for one type of people. It's us. Yeah, exactly. And, and I would have seen it as a UK resident mm-hmm. by 2003. 
that's so, that's wild. It just that's just so nuts to me. Anyway, that's, that's too long. It just yeah. it just gets in my brain, and I'm just so baffled that <laughs> that somehow people complied to it. How long did it take us to get weed legalized? That's just, you just reminded me of. Uh, it is kind of crazy that when we were younger, we used to have to meet. Yeah, go meet someone somewhere in the dark, right. mostly in the dark, uh-huh. like in the cover of night somewhere. Yes, to buy like. Two grams of weed and little little baggies for like thirty bucks or whatever it cost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then it just reminds me of uh, the the great Tom Segura. The kids today they they'll go to like a Seven Eleven for weed nowadays. They just get to go down the street go to get weed. When I was your age, I almost died. I used to get into cars with strangers to buy weed. <laughs> I almost died. It's true. It you put yourself true. in some really tricky situations just to have a puff. Yeah, just to, exactly. And in the end, and where we are now, just to have a puff. It's like having a sip. You have, yeah, puff, have a sip. It's honestly, it's the same. To me, it's the same thing. Sure. Yeah. But again, it just it takes lawmakers, it takes a society to get over an attitude and mindset. And it takes a generation to replace it. It does. Yeah, you're right. Anyway. All right. Upwards and onwards. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is that a boner joke? <laughs> hey, it is now. <laughs> Video nasties, we salute you. Shawing. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe we just said that. Go ahead. Uh, all right. On to section two. These are non-prosecuted films. These are films... That were like on the official list, but for some reason they just never went through with actually sure. prosecuting and banning them. Yeah. But these were films where video dealers could actually be charged with carrying obscene products. Like, okay. what would the charge have been? I guess carrying. Yeah. Obscene. So it would be a fine. Yeah. So the first one was you forfeit them and agree that they're nasty. Yes. <laughs> these are bad. But what if you didn't? I don't In know. section three. I, I guess you still get the they fine. They said you personally couldn't be prosecuted under Section 3. Oh, so they would just take it from you? I think they're just allowed to take it from you. Okay, so they just take it from you. <laughs> and, and, and so then Section 2 is? You could actually personally prosecute a video dealer for having them and renting them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Beyond. Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. Well, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. So they, they only passed it with two minutes cut, 1987. Two minutes. Probably like, I wonder if it's like just all that gross, like oozing, melting stuff. Like what is really obscene Melt about... Melt horror definitely upsets people. Yeah, it just upsets people, I guess. The Evil Dead. We just talked about it. Uh, only passed with cuts uh, for cinema. Released with approximately two minutes cut in 1990. Re-released uncut in 2001. But that's a long time, man. It is. Because Evil Dead's 81. Yeah, we're talking about... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the video nasties panic was like, yeah, the early 80s. So so it took 20, 20 years until people saw the uncut version of Evil Dead in Britain. Legally. Legally, yeah, legally, exactly. Like, like what kind of terminology is this? <laughs> legally seeing a movie in its full, and we're talking about movies that are usually not appreciated by the mainstream. Like, these movies only exist for outsiders. Yeah. Fringe fans. But it's just also interesting yeah. learning about this now as a Canadian, you know, and I feel lucky to have lived in North America. Oh, no, dude, about it. I mean, I've the Evil Dead, I mean, that's, you know, it's formative for me, you know. We are cabin in the woods up here. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, Toby Hooper's The Fun House. See, that's so strange. Very that strange. The Fun House is in section two, but Texas is in three. I guess it's because Texas really doesn't have as much bloodletting as people assume. Maybe. Uh, what's the, so you? I think you know about this movie, Nightmare Maker, also known as oh my Night God. Warning and Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. I really Re- like Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Oh, I, that's a great title. The Re- alliteration. Refused a video certificate in 1987. See, that's that's crazy. So the the movie is nasty in the sense that it's um, it's an incestuous storyline with the aunt and the the kid in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never seen that, that. To me, is the nastiest thing about the movie. Not the violence, not the slashing, but like I said in the episode when I brought that up, I brought it up as a, I think maybe an honorable mention in one of our lists. What year was that? Mm. 8081. It is 81. So in our 1981 episode, I brought that up as a, an honorable mention. I did watch it. It's on Shudder. It's brutal. Like it's it's not a, it's oh, a. Brutal isn't bad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I, I should correct my terminology. That's brutal. Like. Have you listened to the new in flames? That's brutal. Have you listened to the new Campbell Corpse? That's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Those are two different connotations. Now go to the don'ts. Look at all the don't movies. I see three. Yes. Don't go in the house. Okay. Don't go near the park. <laughs> and definitely don't look in the basement. <laughs> these are like it's hard to believe these are movie titles. Because they sound like the credentials of what it's like to be in a horror movie. <laughs> like, don't, don't. I love how it's like, also, um, don't go in the house. So they're like, shit, okay, well, we can't. I've already been in the house, so where else? Uh, oh, wait, don't go in the park. Don't don't go near the park. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, well, we got to get. Got to hide su- somewhere. I'm surprised there's not a don't go and don't look in the attic because there's don't look in the basement, you know? Yeah. I just, I, I think, I think less people are inclined to go to an attic anyway. I know that's true. You're more likely to go to a basement. Basements are scarier to me. All right, so here we go. This is this is section it. one. Section one movies that were successfully in court, prosecuted, and banned in Britain. A lot of these titles are familiar only because they're on this list. I still haven't seen a large number of these. Thirty nine. Oh, Thirty nine. Oh, look at you. Uh, yes, 39 movies on this list. But in terms of notable, actually good movies yes. in Britain, friggin' banned and prosecuted, The Burning, yes. a movie we've talked about I before. Know. Uh, passed with cuts, um, originally only with cuts, and then released with 19 seconds cut in 1992, finally released uncut in 2001. Um, I mean, this movie, it, that is pretty... There's some pretty gnarly stuff in in the burning. Well, I mean, it's it's thanks to having Tom Savini. Yeah, that's true. Fresh off of Friday the Thirteenth, uh, another camp slasher, but not being a copy. The burning, I think, falls under that list of appreciation of something that's been underexposed. Yeah, underappreciated. So now it feels fresh to us. Yeah, but. Would it would it also just kind of blend in with the rest if we had have known about it all along? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I and just unanswerable, I guess. But that is interesting. But come on, it's got Jason Alexander. In it. I know, and he's really playing like the worst version of George. <laughs> he is Kid George. I mean, yeah, that'd be actually a funny like. <laughs> it's a funny idea to think of that as like young George at summer camp. <laughs> it's a prequel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a part of the George saga. The Summer of George. Yeah, that is the Summer of Wow. Uh, now I'm going to call this the Cannibal Trilogy. Mm. 
because these these titles are familiar to me. There is a one. There's one called The Cannibal Man, which I've honestly never yeah. even heard of in my life. But the three that stand out to me from this For list: Sure, Cannibal Apocalypse, Cannibal Ferox, and the infamous, legendary Cannibal Holocaust. Of course, man. Five minutes, forty-four seconds originally cut to remove uh, the animal cruelty and the rape scenes. Yes. Uh, re-released with 15 seconds, cut to one animal cruelty scene in 2011. Wow. <laughs> I mean, truth be told, 15 seconds is a lot on film of I animal guess so, cruelty. Especially with, yeah, that turtle, yeah. turtle like, stuff. And I that. do understand the editing of Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. I can appreciate that. However, um, that's wild because that is, that is, to me, again, it's the ultimate of dangerous cinema. Definitely. That a, a, someone who wants to see that stuff and is young and is told you cannot see it. Oh yeah. baby, I'd be on the black market right away looking for that. Exactly. And I was like I forget how I even originally saw Cannibal Holocaust, but yeah. I I did see it somehow when I was a kid. But it was one of those movies that was just like pure underground. You know, it was like yes. dangerous cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Um going on here, don't go in the woods. Here we are watching this. Driller <laughs> Driller Killer like the cover It's obviously the main section where he drills the head of a uh, homeless man in an alley. Um, right. But yeah, it's, uh, I guess, I mean, it is kind of a dangerous film. I can see why they probably banned it. Sure. Especially from that cover. It, it's it's dank feeling. Yes, it's maniac feeling, but maniac is way more accomplished if that, so take that with. Take that in consideration. Yeah. So, you know what's really cool? Um, because I've already talked about Black Mirror. I love the series Black Mirror. I think it's one of the greatest series oh, ever. Season two and season three of Black Mirror are oh, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but for me, there's a reference to Driller Killer in Black Mirror. Which one? It's the museum episode, the season finale. Oh, yeah. It's the doctor who has the the net on his head that he can sense and feel uh, the pain and discomfort of oh, his and patients. Then he gets obsessed with and addicted to the pain because it, the wires are crossed. That he ends up lusting for the pain. Yeah, he gets caught by the police because he's drilling into the homeless man's skull, which he is feeling himself. Oh yeah, ooh, that's so disturbing. There you go. There's a retro sink right there. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Go ahead. What'd you get? Now, this is an example of maybe the ones that, remember you said like they haven't, they hadn't, maybe hadn't even seen it yeah. before they prosecuted it. Like this right. was a successfully banned prosecuted thing. Uh, Faces of Death, Oh, which now we know is everything was fake. But Wait, it was, it was? Yeah, exactly. But it was probably like charged and banned on the premise that, Right. This is real. Kind of like Cannibal Holocaust. Like That's true. Is this footage real? <laughs> we talked about... I would say the best, the best of the bunch in terms of like important cinema, great cinema, but also very extreme. We talked about Cannibal Holocaust is the the be all kind of the pinnacle of the video nasties. This also might be on if you were to do a, um, a film negative version of that, where it's right. just like it actually is too extreme for public consumption, but. It, in a way, it's kind of important as well, and it's also at the pinnacle of the video sure. nasties. I mean, this is the one for me. I watched it probably way too young. Uh, I don't know how that affected me. Uh, I spit on your grave. Oh, yeah, um, that's a grungy one. So this is actually, yeah, 
Maybe this one actually is a true video. <laughs> this one is the truest of the video nasties, I would say. Uh, they had It was only released in 2001 after seven minutes and two seconds were cut. Because if anybody's seen I Spit on Your Grave, it is, uh, it's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> Which, again, works for the atmosphere of the movie. And if we know anything about Kyle Smith, he's all about comeuppance. Uh, so that's hilarious. I was <laughs> hilarious. I'm talking about a spit on your grave. Uh, the movie's not hilarious. But current day, of course, Kyle Smith loves revenge. Oh, lives for revenge, lives for comeuppance. And it just, it just it gets me going. It just gets, hits me in all the right places. He writes supercharged. And so while the first half of I Spit in Your Grave is just like, you can't, you almost like got to turn away because it's just too bad. It's just insane uh, yeah. what, what they put on screen. Yeah. The second half is Kyle Smith going like, like, yes, yes. I just love every <laughs> second of it. These motherfuckers get yeah. in there, come up and, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and that's I Spit in Your Grave. It's, it's half rape. It's, I mean, it created, it almost created, in terms of mainstream, uh, the rape revenge. It's, it's literally half rape, half revenge. That's I, yep. spit, that's I spit on your grave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that revenge is oh so sweet. Roger Ebert and, and critics, especially obviously the, the British Film Classification Board, I think at the time a lot was said about the violence right. done to the men, but not the rape. Done to the woman, of course. Isn't that? I just yeah. find that completely insane I, thinking. Personally, for me, that's pretty disgusting. Roger Ebert even talked about in his review. Of course, he gave the film zero stars, which honestly it kind of does deserve. Um, but people in the theater, like he, he, he talks about in his review that there were men in the theater at the time of when he watched the screening. Like in terms of the rape scenes, like get her. Oh, that was a good one. Like they were, they were wow. saying this in the theater as it was happening. And Not like, good. So that's, uh, I mean, maybe a product of the times, but yep, an insane movie, uh, and definitely a video nasty. Definitely, definitely. I got one final thing. Yeah. Uh, and this is by a master. A master. You love him, master. The last house on the left. Yes, of course. Official video nasty. Of course. Uh, refused a cinema certificate in '74, and again in 2000. Also refused a video certificate in 2001. Passed with 31 seconds of cut in 2002. Finally released uncut 2008. Like last house and last house on the left is pretty brutal. Not as brutal as I spit on your grave. No, it's also a rape revenge film. Um, what year was that again? 70. 74, yeah. 74. Oh, so, sorry, 72. Um, written, edited, directed by Wes Craven, produced by your Sean boy. S. Cunningham. <laughs> Do you know how sometimes when they, like, say with a serial killer like Ted Bundy, yeah, when they try to find out or try to try to find out and explain how it works, and it's like there's no reason? Mm. Like, I think the uh, indifference... Of Last House on the Left is what really comes through. It's yeah. just like there is no reason. They just they they try to these two girls are going to a concert. They try to buy drugs from this random group, and they just decide to take them in the woods and kill them. And the group ends up finding trying to find refuge at the girl's house that they killed, and the parents it's find so crazy. like it's such a weird movie, but it's such a just kind of like the banality, I guess, of violence yep. and the meaninglessness of sometimes of violence and yeah. how you can't explain it, you know? I think that's probably what hit people with Last House on the Left. I agree. 
I'm just looking at it right now. There's so much on this poster. Like, it rests on 13 acres of earth over the very center of hell. Mary, 17, is dying. Even yes. for her, the worst is yet to come. Oh, my God. She lived in the last house on the left. Like that's Those are those moments where you would see the marketing for something and you go, oh, my God, I got to see that. Because you. it's not that you want to see like the fantasy of what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's the, man, I want to see a movie that makes me feel something. I know. This was kind of a, like it wasn't. This is, I mean, in terms of ratio of budget to box office, they made this. They, he made that movie for eighty seven thousand dollars. Box office three million. Yep, and it'd be Just word like of under, mouth. Underground New York cinema. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, like yeah. What's I, like talk about an era that I just wish I was around for? Seventies uh, New York City. Yeah, the grindhouse, the strip of yep. all those theaters, and like going to see a first run of. Last house on the left. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think that'd be so interesting. There is a fleeting shot of Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver and his, well, it's not, he's not in the scene, but it's a, the camera is on the side of the cab and it's just like you see the, just the streetscapes of yes. 1970 yeah. New York City. And on the banner uh-huh. of one of those cinemas, it says the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Cool. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. Do you, do you want to know something cool? Ghostbusters 2, there's a marquee in the background screening Cannibal Girls. Mm. Cannibal Girls was also directed by Ivan Reitman. Yeah, it's a Canadian movie, right? Starred Eugene Levy, <laughs> Andrea Martin. Basically was SCTV <laughs> set to a horror movie yeah. by Ivan Reitman. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. That is cool. Some pretty dark stuff, but mm. it's an interesting story, I think, an interesting moment in film history. I think it's worth exploring uh, yeah, as well. Exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, the video nasties, like I said, much like the Filthy 15 for American music in the 80s, mm. there, was a, there was a big kick on censorship in the 80s because I think the, the truly uneducated were the ones who were censoring, mm. implying that the general public exactly. were uneducated. It's just an insane idea. And it still obviously, can, it kind of continues to this day. Like, just. A, a, a vocal minority, like yeah. imposing their beliefs and like assuming that other people need to follow with what they believe or what they consider is right and moral. Sure. It, I don't know. That only stokes the fires for people to want to search this stuff out even exactly. more than if you just made it available on the shelves in the first place. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about movies here, people. Thanks for the continued support that we receive online. The group of podcasters that we are a part of, the Illumi Potty. All of you are fantastic, as you know. And of course, the listeners, that the numbers are growing. And thank you for that, for tuning in every week. We appreciate it. And I'm Matt for the Stall Junk Podcast saying, Would you like people to make money off your misery? And I'm Kyle for the Stall Junk Podcast saying, To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a only a